Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. fans welcome to the Peristyle podcast on a monday we're going to talk some usc trojan football offseason workouts are on the way they're happening right now we also have pro day and spring football coming up soon it's the march 1st so this month we're going to get some usc football action going and if you have any questions or comments for us here on the show you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com com or you rather call or text us you can do that too leave us a voicemail send us a text with your questions 424-254-9141 if you have an apple podcasting app on any of your devices we do appreciate it. if you could subscribe there leave us a five-star rating and any kind of comments feedback suggestions you have we'll read those questions uh, on the air and but that five-star rating really helps us to grow the show so we appreciate you all doing that. And we really appreciate Coach Harvey Hyde joining us. He's going to be, he's on the line right now. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com, for all of his content. Coach Hyde, how you doing today, sir? Ryan, I'm doing great, buddy. Everything's uh, good. The weather's beautiful here in Southern California. I know we need the rain. I don't know where you are if you're listening in the Midwest or Southeast or wherever. You've had a lot of cold and so on, and you probably. Wish you were out here enjoying the sunshine that we've enjoyed. Uh, Ryan and I were talking before the show, and Ryan said, well, this weekend I spent some time on the beach. Well, that sort of tells everybody what the weather is like out here, right, Ryan? Yeah, it's not a bad way to uh, spend a weekend. I played some volleyball yesterday. It was beautiful. Uh, I know it was a couple weeks ago when everyone was getting snow across the country. That would have been uh, a little worse for them to hear. But I think now the weather's a little bit better most of the other places. I think it is, and uh, we're hoping to get some rain. Normally, our uh, rainy months are February and March, and we haven't really had the necessary rain that we need, so I sort of miss it. We all miss it out here. We need the water, so send uh, some of your weather back to our way. We need a little bit of that, snow and rain. We could use some rain here for sure. Um, all right, well, let's uh, jump into things. we got some a bunch of different topics we want to discuss today and then we'll uh, get into we have a couple of questions first up coach there has been some additions to usc support staff and that they've been very active uh mike bone the new athletic director they've definitely built out usc's support staff so uh megan mueller is added she's a director of uh recruiting operations she's coming over from kansas so actually right as we're recording they just announced that but we had Seen that before. I had followed her on Twitter. She followed me. Um, so another person um, added to the support staff, but also uh, Jeff Martin. So he comes over from LSU and he was officially announced this morning. Um, so what he is, what his job is uh, director of scouting and player relations. So there are a lot of different titles for these guys. We kind of reported this. According to sources, he was going to be added um, coming over from LSU. He was the director, assistant director of on-campus recruiting. Um, so he had two years over at LSU, uh, was you know working with player personnel and development. Um, that role was defined as uh, 
prospect identification, facilitating prospect visits, working with current student athletes in development and social media management. So, you know, doing a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, uh, working with, uh, you know, recruiting basically. And so he's, he's, the role should be similar at USC. Um, USC did lose a couple of, uh, you know, they lost Trey Johnson to Tennessee. He was a director of scouting and recruiting strategy, but they added Marshall Sherrington. Um, they hired away him from Cal. Uh, they also added Brian Carrington from uh, Texas. So they've been, you know, pretty active making sure they have a full support staff. And uh, Jeff Martin is definitely one of those guys you've hear, heard positive things about doing a good job for Ed Orgeron over there at LSU. It's definitely a different time, Coach. You didn't have this kind of like support staff around you when you were coaching. Um, and Pete Carroll didn't either. This just wasn't a thing. And it, it's a thing now. And it looks like USC is all in on all, all of it. Well, I'll tell you, if it's numbers, uh, I think they, uh, uh, they're they going to need the auditorium there at USC <laughs> to have a staff meeting. Uh, I don't know what all these people do, just all these different titles and so on. I really don't. I don't know how uh, uh, you have personal relationships with players when you have 15 people calling and 15 people showing you around campus and 15 people doing this and that. I mean, uh, I wanted my coaches to be very, very close to my players and and also close to the people they worked with, but uh, I didn't want to share the relationships with the families and so on with too many people. I wanted to make sure they had direct contact with me and also with all the assistant coaches that the players really spent time with as far as once they came to college, that they knew it was, you know, just a relationship. We're dating when you're out there. I ask you to marry me when I offer you a scholarship, and then once we get married and you sign, then you're married to me. And I'm going to make sure that I love you forever. I'm going to do the things that are necessary and reach the goals that we've talked about all the recruiting period of time because I'm going to be with you and coach your position or whatever that necessary uh, area is that I'm going to work with you on and, and make sure it happened. Now they have so many people doing different things. Somebody shows them the campus and somebody does this and somebody greets them, I don't know, at the airport. And I, I don't know everything that all these people do. And when you bring people, so many from out of the area, it's a little bit different different recruiting in uh, in uh, down in Baton Rouge than it is Southern California. I mean, in Baton Rouge, you have a different type of recruiting trip. Not that you don't recruit all the great players in America, and they do a great job. They're currently ranked number two. They're always in the top ten in recruiting. So I could never criticize the recruiting and the players that LSU gets. But I think you'd want to have someone, too, that has a little bit more of a knowledge of California and contacts and networking. So here in college, not learning the freeway routes or losing or getting lost on the way home. And uh, I think that uh, too many uh, from one area, too many from one staff, such as Texas, I think is a little bit frightening to me if I was a head football coach, because there might be more loyalty in what's going on there with the Texas people than with me as far as a, we didn't do it that way at Texas, so why are we doing it that way here or whatever? So you've got to be very careful in reaching out and having a lot of people, but the more people you have, the harder it is to communicate among everybody on what's going on and what's expected and everybody living up to the responsibilities. So, you know, you've got a new strength and conditioning uh, program and uh, that whole department is from out of Southern California, all in different areas. So the, you've, they, they've got to learn here to work with more 
uh, kids that are more Western style type of kids and attitudes and so on and relate with them. So, you know, you can diversify a little bit too much as far as locations of people from other areas coming in and coaching uh, your Southern California type of kids. And I think you learn, you lose your contact with the coaches, the high schools and so on with the great contacts you have because contacts and networking is what gets you football players. When I recruited, I would go in and they'd know who I was and they'd come up to me because I recruited in Southern California for so many years that I would say, coach, I got to have this guy. I've got to have this guy. What do I have to do? Who's the contact person? What's his girlfriend's name? What's his mom like? Whatever these different things. And this guy would help me. Or I knew the principal because he used to be the football coach and so on, where I'd say, you know, talk to him about grade-wise and things that are necessary to do. And uh, I think they're losing a little bit of that. And uh, how do all these people know what USC football tradition is? What people expect, a tradition, traveler, do they know the name of the mascot? Uh, do they know a lot of these things, or do they have to learn all these things because they really don't know the tradition in the face of the Pac-12? And who is that? USC. Yeah. Well, definitely time to change. It's, uh, it's a game where you got to play in the sandbox with these kids, these 16, 17-year-old kids, and the, the schools have adapted to develop, you know, bringing what they want. Uh, they like those videos. They like all that kind of attention, and you're getting attention from all those different people on the support staff. So very interesting to see how this goes, but USC is definitely trying to keep up with the Joneses here, and uh, we'll see how that pays off in the recruiting classes going forward. There's also some news, Coach, uh, as far as USC's Pro Day. So the NFL Combine, uh, they're do I think they're doing some stuff, but there's not going to be like an in-person Combine. So really the Pro Days are going to be important. I think Alabama is actually having two of them. Um, USC, the reports are USC's pro day will be on March 24th. So coming up in a few weeks and then uh, spring football, uh, we're reporting that will start on March 30th. So I think Clay Helton said it'd probably be early April. Looks like really the end of March. Um, we're hearing from some Pac-12 schools. I think Arizona state announced their spring football. I think it might've been a couple others. So we're starting to hear it. Um, things are just, going to be delayed a little bit. I think they're hoping more stuff with the vaccine. People are going to be safer. The numbers will keep going down and be able to have somewhat of a normal, um, you know, spring football compared to last year when USC only had one practice. So I, don't, I wanted to get your thoughts, coach, heading into spring football. How normal do you think this one could be uh, this year? Well, if it was a normal year and there wasn't the virus and the COVID and all this going on, uh, you know, I would say uh, have a have spring practice at the normal time. But you have to make a decision as a coaching staff and a head football coach what is best. Now, I've talked to coaches in the Southeastern Conference who are already having spring practice. Cal is already having spring practice. And I asked them, what is, what is the reason why you're having it so early when you have such a long break between now and fall camp, and they said, we don't know what the changes are going to be. Last year, we didn't have all our spring days, so while things are good, we're going to get our spring practice in and get all 15 days in. We're going to practice. We don't know if they're going to close something down and so on, so when uh, we have this opportunity, we're going to do it. So they're out there, they're having spring practice, and some schools may be close to have being completed. So that that is one reason. Now, the other reason they put it off is they think that you hope that everything's going to get better, and I certainly hope so for everyone in the world, not just football. 
If that happens, then you have a long conditioning program. You have a longer period of time for your players to rehab and get acquainted with all your new coaches and strength conditioning program and so on. You have your spring practice. But if you have an injury, you don't have as long to rehab or get that player back because it's a shorter period of time between your final spring practice or if that injury date happens to have you your players back by a certain date in, in September when you start get the games or you start really fall camp in August. So it doesn't give you a long period of time. So there's plus and minuses to both sides of it. And you're sort of rolling the dice regarding some of this. But uh, I really believe that things are going to be better because we're all going to follow the rules and regulations and make sure that we do have football and we do get back and open up things because we're all going to play by the rules and get it done. So, you know, if the if USC is going to have practice on the 30th, I hope too, by putting it off, it'll allow a lot of us to go to spring practice as we were not allowed last year except for one day. And they are able to get all of their 15 days in. And I hope they have a great spring game in the Coliseum. Yeah, hoping so too. That would be great. Um, we'll see. As that comes around, well, I'm sure we'll get some announcements and stuff going forward. All right, Coach, uh, I want to talk about fourth down efficiency a little bit. RJ Abedi is a special contributor to uscfootball.com, has been putting up stories uh, these past couple of weeks, and the latest one is about fourth down efficiency for USC in 2020. As you know, times have changed. People are going for it on fourth down more. The analytics are showing it's you know, it's it's effective to go for it more on fourth down than maybe it was in the past. Not everyone's doing it. Um, I think Stanford's done it the least lately, but USC embraced that in 2020. Uh, if you look back, back in 2009 in 13 games, USC went for it 17 times on fourth down, converting seven. Um, you know, last year in six games, USC went for it 15 times. So that's quite a, a change. Um you know, overall, USC had 36 fourth downs in the six games. You know, almost half the time, 15, you know, 15 times, uh, they went for it on fourth down and completed 10. So uh, pretty good success rate. Uh, they're 66%. Um, it's up there. I think it's 20th in the country. They're behind Stanford that only went for it uh, seven times in, in those six games. And then Washington converted 83%. Stanford converted 86 um, so those teams didn't go for it that often, but USC went for it early and often eight times alone in the Arizona state game. As you remember that, that comeback, they had to do a whole, you know, five of those in the fourth quarter. Um, they had four attempts in, in the Oregon game. Again, another game where they were trailing and, and trying to come back, but pretty good success rate. We've seen them go for it more often. Unfortunately, they were stuffed a few times on the fourth and one situations. They were they were better at converting like the long situations. Um, in fact, anything eight yards or over, USC was three for three on the season, twice against Arizona State and once against Oregon when it was a long fourth and go to gain. But from you know one to three yards, you know they missed a couple of those against Arizona State. They missed one against uh, Arizona. They missed one against Oregon. So. That percentage you'd like to see be a little bit higher. Overall, though, it looks like the trend is moving towards going for it more often. The offense USC runs, they're going to try to go for it more often. Definitely something, a trend we're seeing in college football today. Coach, I want to get your thoughts on 
what you feel this fourth down trend is and how you've, how you've seen it develop and what, what you thought about USC going for it as often as they did on fourth down in 2020. Well, I think you broke it down, Ryan, for everybody as far as, you know, the situation that they were in. Uh, they had to either come from behind and they had to go for fourth down because uh, they had to keep the drive going and uh, they were out too far for field goal or whatever and they needed to go for it on fourth down. Sometimes they were stuffed, but as you said, uh, uh, they were very, uh, they were a lucky football team last year. Remember, uh, uh, luck is made by making big plays. So they had some big play guys that made some big plays, and they got those first downs that uh, won those football games for them, and uh, they were very fortunate to get those wins. But they did get them, and you can't, you can't take that credit away from the kids. The kids, I said all along, played hard the entire season. The kids on both sides of the football played hard, and uh, they were put in those situations where fourth downs were necessary. And and, uh, you know, uh, we can be critical if, if you don't make them. And when they make them, we say, oh, man, did he take a risk? Was he going to be criticized on that? But I don't think uh, he was in too many of those situations. I think he was in situations where he had to go for it on fourth down. Because he was trying to come back or, or get in the game and, and, and or his uh, defense couldn't stop the offense. There's always different type of. Uh, of reasons, and I've done that before. And when I've said we got to go for it because we got to make this first down because our defense can't slow down their offense, we're going to lose anyway. So there's a lot of different situations that you're faced with in making the decisions on fourth down, and where you are in the field, and uh, what time of the game it is, and how far you're ahead or behind uh, to make these decisions. So. It's hard to to make a comment on that, but my main comment on that is you're prepared to go for it on fourth down, uh, where you are in the field and what time of the game it is and what you need out of it. Do you need a, a first down? Do you need a touchdown? What do you need to keep the drive going to win the football game? Uh, you're on the uh, one-yard line, and it's first down. Well, uh, what formation are you going to be in? Uh, are you going to be under center? Are you going to be double tight? Or are you going to throw the ball on first down? I mean, these are the things that I have somewhat questioned at USC is are they prepared for the situation at the time? And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing if this happens because McIntyre, the new offensive line coach, has talked about some of these things, toughness, going under center, doing these different things, and, and we'll see if those changes are made. But before when I listen to the offensive coordinator speak, that they don't believe in that. So... Again, we're in that situation of waiting and seeing. Yeah, we will wait and see um, what they do. But the trend is definitely going towards going for it more. But like like you said, I think the, the short yard situation in general, there were situations where they went for it on third and one and didn't get it and then didn't get it on fourth and one. You want to just be able to pick that up on third down and not have to go for it on fourth down if you don't have to. Um there's also I wanted to talk about. I had a if you haven't checked it out in the site yet. Oh, by the way, we're still running our fifty percent off promotion. Make sure you go check that out right now because it's it's a special one. We don't do this. I think they're not, probably not going to do it for the rest of the year. If you sign up and become a member at the discounted price uh, right now, fifty percent. If you're not a member now, fifty percent off the annual membership. You get all the USC information and you can be on that site twenty four hours a day to check out everything that's going on with the Trojans, but you also get access to CBS All Access, which will become Paramount Plus here in a few days. It's a streaming service that will have live sports, 
all the uh, CBS content up there, you know, like Survivor. If you like a show like um, Yellowstone, all those episodes are on there. So it's a great streaming service and you get it for free as long as you're a member of the site. So make sure you go check that out. Uh, there's only a couple of days left of that. So uh, go sign up if you're not a member right now. You're listening to this podcast. You like USC enough. Definitely go sign up. It's half off and you get this free streaming service to go along with it and tons of content on that too, which is, that's like a $10 a month thing. It's $120 value. So that's a no brainer. So hopefully you guys can do that. Um, but also I did an interview with Isaiah Polamau. So we had a little zoom interview, sat down for about 25 minutes, USC's, you know, team captain, free safety. Hopefully you guys, I just put it up uh, on Sunday. So hopefully you guys get a chance to check it out. And one of the interesting things he said, coach was talking about the strength and conditioning philosophy. They have Robert Steiner in there. He's had three different strength coaches, Coach. Uh, you know, they had Ivan Lewis, then he had uh, Aaron Osmus, and now he has Robert Steiner. It was interesting what he said. It was just like Steiner was just no nonsense. They had a Zoom call. They thought he were going to get into all like what they were going to do. He's like, basically, welcome everybody. All right, let's get to work. And that was that was it. Everyone's like looking at each other, like what? But from what Isaiah Polamal was saying to me, Coach, there's less of the like stats as far as like how much can you bench how much can you squat and it's more about uh core i think there's more conditioning involved and you he feels like it's more you know agility like football related as opposed to kind of putting up numbers i'm not saying one is better than the other it's just everyone you know strict coaches have different philosophies um any thoughts on that coach going forward? It's definitely, you knew there was going to be some differences and, and I know some of the listeners wanted to know, Hey, one of the, what are some of the big differences? Listen to the Isaiah Polamau interview and he'll talk about it, but just kind of get your thoughts on that a little bit, coach. If they get away from some of the big squatting and bench presses, that was kind of a hallmark of what Aaron Osmus and his program did. Well, uh, you've probably heard that from me before what he just said. Uh, I don't want a bunch of muscle-bound weightlifters or uh, guys entering muscle contest. I want football players, and I want related uh, strength and conditioning programs that make them a better football player in the conditioning program because the conditioning program goes year-round, even during the season. I want to maintain my conditioning, increase my conditioning, and increase my, uh, my ability to prevent injuries and also my body to uh, become a better, quicker football player in football moves and uh, agility. And uh, every player has a different type of position or whatever they play. That you have a special program for that to work. And uh, I'm sure Clay Helton uh, has the philosophy that, that uh, he liked by the hiring of this new strength and conditioning coach. Uh, obviously, I'm, not, I'm a little confused because every time he's liked the uh, strength and conditioning coach that comes in in his philosophy, but I guess sometimes it doesn't work, so they make a change, and I would probably do the same thing. But, uh, yes, I, I like that type of uh, conditioning program. I like things to be relate to, related to the game, where you're not just wasting time lifting weights, because I don't know when uh, you do all these heavy squats and heavy uh, lifting uh, uh, where it doesn't take a toll on your body where you're, you're, these bigger men have more weight on their knees. Your knees can only be support so much weight, okay? When you're already 300 pounds and you're squatting 400 pounds or whatever, 
you're putting a lot of pressure on your joints, okay, and your back, neck, and all these different areas. So you've got to be very careful not to injure somebody. And the same thing with any other position and the certain type of lunges you do and all these different exercises you do. You don't want your your football player to get hurt in the conditioning program or in the weight room. Uh, so you want them to be better prepared for the game of football. And I think that's basically, uh, uh, I hope that's what they're doing. That's what I used to tell my strength and conditioning coach as far as, you know, don't measure their arms, measure their ability to, to become a football player as far as run faster, catch, be conditioning, be stronger at the same time, have endurance, and prevent injuries. I think that's the number one thing that we work for, and also make it a place where people want to go. You want to make it a real tortures, torture place where they find reasons why not to work out because I'm injured or I'm tired or i got to study for a test or whatever. They want to go to the weight room. They want to see their strength and conditioning coach and also their position coach in there when they can legally as far as for encouragement to show them how they've improved. That's my feeling on that, and I don't know if, if I haven't seen their program, so I don't know exactly what they're doing, but this is what I'm assuming if he said this, Paul Ronald. Yeah, so we, uh, you know, hopefully you guys can check out the interview. We'll try to talk to more players and get their thoughts on it as well, just to see what you know. It's a different. You know, you're you're mixing things up. You're going to get some different results. He said he's seeing different results already. So um, we'd love to see all these guys in spring football at, at practice. Hopefully we can and uh, kind of report on what we're seeing, how everyone's body looks different, and how the development looks uh, different, if at all. Um, one last topic for you, coach, before we jump into questions, uh, the PAC 12 football schedule, John Wilner's reporting, we should have the schedule potentially tomorrow. So today is March 1st. Uh, it's a Monday, you know, by Tuesday, they have to send out the schedule to the different universities. And, and if they have any issues, they'll send it back. Uh, but we could have it as early as tomorrow. It sounds like all the other power five conferences, coach. Uh, a couple of them released theirs in January, Other the other two uh, early February. We're now into March, and the Pac-12 still doesn't have it. I do my podcast of Champions Podcast. We talked about this. My co-host, David Woods, just couldn't care. Uh, he couldn't care less uh, about this when the schedule comes out. I know some fans want to plan trips and things like that. Is it a big deal that the Pac-12 is waiting this long, Coach? Do you have any issue with it? I I didn't like it, but it's, I don't think it's a huge deal, but something to, to talk about. I don't, any thoughts on the Pac-12 releasing their schedule so late? Yeah, I have issues on it. Uh, I would think that you're organized enough or have a staff up there that knows how to get a schedule out so that the world knows what it is and you're out there for the preseason magazines and the people that are writing and doing all the marketing and putting their rankings together and the publicity of your players and your conference throughout all these magazines that are going to be coming out and in May and June and July and so on. And yeah, I do have a problem with it. Uh, I think that people, you do have to respect your fans and you do have to uh, allow your marketing department and you do have to allow uh, your ticketing department and you do have to allow the the people that are involved in uh, radio and television as far as uh, uh, scheduling time and selling sponsorships and reserving station time and all the above to Make sure that your program is as good as it can be. And when you limit the amount of time for all of this marketing as far as and the and getting your information out and your schedules and so on and your media guides, how can you do anything when you're sitting around? And this is one reason why the Pac-12 is behind everybody else. is they're not prepared to, 
to be on any level at the Southeastern Conference or the Big Ten and so on. Same thing happened last year. They delayed putting out their schedule, starting their season, all of the above, having less games. I mean, uh, let's get started. Let's be big time. Let's get uh, a staff that knows what they're doing and how to put a schedule together. And, yeah, I do have a problem with that. And I respect everybody's opinion, but respect, to the offices of these other people that are relying on these schedules to move forward in sales and concessions and programs and media guides and all these other things and fans as far as knowing who they play at what date. Yeah, that makes sense, Coach. I mean, there's you're on a schedule in college football, and this is definitely delayed to schedule. And that's pandemic and stuff going on. But, you know, when the other – you know, you're over a month after or a month after the other Power Five conferences, um, you know, I think that's a, a Pac-12 issue for sure. Uh, all right, well, let's uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and just got a couple questions for you. Back in a minute. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back here on the Parastyle Podcast. We got a text message for you, Coach. Uh, Ricky wanted to know, what kind of person should the Pac-12 hire to replace Larry Scott as the commissioner? Well, I think they've got to hire somebody that's done it before. they got to hire somebody that has the skills to develop a whole new marketing development uh, image of the Pac-12. Uh, in all areas, he's got to be something that uh, has direct contacts with all the executive directors of all the bowl games, Bill Hancock, from the college football playoff situation, all the commissioners. Uh, we can pick up the phone and call him directly and know him by their first name. He's had to probably served on a lot of the NCAA committees. He doesn't have to come in and learn what the NCAA rules are. He knows what con- contracts are and what what the guarantee should be. He knows what a salary as far as running a conference office should be. He should know where he's, uh, his affiliate should be as far as how he can get his his conference up on major national TV situations such as the Pac-12 network. Should he drop the Pac-12 network completely and save those millions of dollars and go an affiliate such as Fox or someone else? Yeah, he's got to be a guy that's done it before and has all the connections and knows exactly not only how to run the Pac-12 as far as the face of the Pac-12, which is right now dropped down. USC has always been the face of the Pac-12. And uh, I think it's not only the commissioner's fault but as far as USC. USC has to show a strong leadership from the top of saying we are the Pac-12. The rest of you figure that out. Because when we're good, the rest of you get more credit for it. And I think that they've got to understand that because if you don't play up to our ability, you're not any good. We're going to beat you every year. So I think you have to go back and get away from this. Everybody's all equal. Everybody's got to share the revenue. 
everybody's got to do this. And everybody doesn't have to do anything because without SC or UCLA, hey, there's not much of a Pac-12, okay, as far as that image. And the people in the South got to understand that and recognize that yeah. and put themselves in a power position so they have more to say about it. And they understand that and, and don't play second fiddle to some of the other schools and not that they aren't great schools, but say, hey, buddy, Hey, we get 80,000 when we win, 90,000. Some of your other schools get 30,000, 40,000, maybe, you know, less than that. So, the, you know, I think that uh, you got to get somebody in that understands where the Pac-12 is now, where it's recognized right now, and where it needs to get back, and how fast can you do it. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got one last question. How'd you, like, how'd you like that answer? I like it, Coach. And I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they got to get someone that's going to treat the conference as it's big time. Like you were saying, you mentioned a couple of times on the show, you have to do that. And it's not parody is not the most important thing. It's, you know, tennis is not the most important thing. You have to focus on football and that will help drive everything else. So hopefully the Pac-12 gets this right we'll be uh keeping up and follow, follow what's going on as they look for their new commissioner and uh we have one last question uh didn't put a name on it but it says my question is for the coach i can't figure out the different publications like 24 7 sports and espn coming out with their lists of three four and five stars who are the people behind making uh these lists and getting the three fourth or fifth star are they former coaches or are they just sports writers who are they? And you as a coach, do you go by what these publications put on paper or do you make your own list of three, four, and five stars? I guess I wonder how accurate they are. Thanks, guys. Hope it's not a stupid question. And real quick, um, yeah, so we have scouts all over the country at 24-7 Sports that have been doing this. You know, Greg Biggins has been doing this for like 25 years. Brandon Huffman. They go to high school games. They go to seven-on-seven tournaments. Um, they run their own clinics We've and they follow these players along the way. And then, so you have regional people across the country, you have national, uh, scouts and analysts. They're not like sports writers per se, but they, I mean, they write about sports too, but they're essentially scouts that are out there doing this and covering recruiting and they all come together and they put their list together. And as you see players through different events, they'll move them up, they'll move them down. A lot of times you get an event where you, you know, if it's like an all-star game where there's top players from all over the country, you can actually compare them side by side. So maybe what you thought one guy was better than the other, but when they were on the field together, it was reversed. So that's the way they kind of do things. Some of the you know scouts like you've seen get hired away. Um, so like Barton Simmons was a long time, you know, director of recruiting for, for 24 seven sports. He's a former college athlete, played at Yale, um, played football at Yale he got hired away by Vanderbilt. So he's running up there. So they obviously f feel enough of him that he can actually work in college football for a team. So I think it's a pretty good group of the people behind it. I can't really speak to ESPN. That's, that's more of like a, a television, you know, made for TV kind of thing, but 24 seven sports, that's all we do. So I, I trust them, but coach, get your thoughts on, uh, on that. And if you know how accurate you think that stuff is and what you do as a, as a coach. Well, we certainly do subscribe to their services. We pay for the services. We get their services, and uh, we get the names of players, and and uh, we add it to our list because uh, I always used to feel if there's a player in your area that we missed, I'm looking at my assistant football coach who has that area or the person that's responsible to find that out. But I like to look at other people's opinions 
and we get a lot of different names and height, weights, academic academic material, and so on. When we look at these uh, services, uh, uh, I, I, I mean, they were coming out uh, when uh, I was coaching, and uh, there weren't as many as they are now. There's a lot of coaches that have gone into and formed their own, too, and uh, put their own services together that travel around to all the schools and do it. And there's some that coach services you respect more than the others as a head football coach and a recruiting coordinator, a department of recruiting and personnel and so on. Uh, I would think you almost have to now because of the so many of names that are out there. And as far as evaluating the players on what stars they are, I certainly respect what these services put as far as their stars, but I look at it also, and I evaluate uh, the competition that they're playing against. I, competi- I look at them and say, have they reached their potential now, or is their potential ahead of them? Uh, I look at a lot of things. Attitude, uh, uh, do they work hard in the conditioning? Are they just a natural athlete? Uh, do they have more potential so you take it and you still evaluate and you give it your type of rating at the same time, but you do respect the ratings that these services give them. So, you know, yeah, I think you have to look at them. And I think there's some services that parents sign up for because they, they're afraid that their uh, student uh, athlete is being overlooked. So they send in uh, all the information, the highlight films to them, and they pay a fee for this service to go out and send it to all the different universities or sell them to the different universities as far as not only at the uh, 1AA or Power 5 conferences, but all of them, all the way down to Division Three and NAIA and all of them. So these these uh, schools go to all these uh, type of services to find out names and players that are out there. So it's something I think that's good that helps the student-athlete at the same time, and I think it assists, too, in recruiting. All right. Well, Coach, uh, thanks for everything there. Uh, that was from uh, Elizabeth, by the way. She didn't uh, sign the email, but uh, thanks, Elizabeth, for that question. And Coach, thanks for all the insight. Look forward to uh, talking to you again real soon, and hopefully we'll have some more information on the Pac-12 schedule and you know dates on spring football and all that. They're starting on a Tuesday, from what we've been told, so it's probably going to be a, a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, because that's what they've done before. And we usually don't see them change what they do. So it'll be interesting to see what that is going forward. But uh, coach, thanks again for coming on. Well, again, I want to thank you, Ryan, for having me on. I want to thank all of our listeners out there. And again, we hope that uh, things open up and we thought that think uh, we hope that uh, we will have a, a normal year as far as college football and everything. So let's uh, hope for that. And again, it all depends on us as well as everybody else. So if we follow it and we want it, we can have it. So, Make up your mind. Sounds good, Coach. Thanks, everyone out there for listening. Don't forget, 50% off, only for a couple more days. Get in there. Become a uscfootball.com VIP member and get CBS All Access Paramount Plus that you saw that Super Bowl commercial. You get that for free as long as you're a member. So that's a great deal. So hope you guys can take advantage of that. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. 
to learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 